0: What's up, Red Rocks? It is—it's uh, good to be here. I want to take a moment to greet everybody that's watching online and at each and every location: uh, Arvada, Brussels, Evergreen, uh, Lakewood, Littleton. Uh, everybody at the Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility—all the men that got behind bars, all the women at the uh, Denver Women's Correctional Facility. Come on, can we make some noise for each and every location? Um, I I was here uh, back in July, and uh, it's always an honor to to be here. I feel like Red Rocks is like a second home to me. And uh, you guys have some of the greatest pastors on the planet, and Sean and Chad uh, and and the whole team. And and I've I've had the privilege of knowing Sean and Chad for over 20 years. And uh, as great as they are on this stage, they're better off it. And uh, I want you to know uh, that these guys... (laughs) Are, uh, are absolutely astounding men of God um, away from their talent of what they can produce on a stage. Um, and some of their biggest fans um, are their family. And uh, I, I just want you to know that you've got amazing pastors and perhaps the greatest thing that you can do for them on a consistent basis is pray for them. Uh, what, they're, what they're a part of and what they're doing and the decisions that they're making on a daily and weekly basis are uh, game changers for the kingdom. And I want you to know that uh, you're a part uh, of an amazing church and you have some amazing pastors. So once again, can we make some noise uh, for your pastors? Uh, last week, uh, Sean had an incredible message about positioning yourself to listen, to listen to God. I want to piggyback on that message and look at how Jesus really did that. How did Jesus really position himself to hear from God? And the Bible says this, um, and it's found in Mark chapter 1. Bible says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Over the next uh, few moments that we have together, I want to speak to you on the subject of time is on our side. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Red Rocks Church. I thank you for everything that you're doing here. And I pray, God, that today uh, we would have a moment where we truly grow closer to you, that we would have a moment where we look at our calendars and make sure that you are the priority above it all. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody said. Amen. Uh, Me and my wife uh, recently just got a a new home. And uh, when you get a new home, you're trying to figure out where you want to put stuff, and everything's got to be kind of in in its right place. And simultaneously, we're also raising a toddler who we continuously buy clothes for because he keeps outgrowing the clothes we had just bought him. Therefore, we have to now find space for his old stuff that he no longer needs. So then we're like, are we going to have another kid? And when we have a girl, we're going to keep these shoes. Do we keep these boy toys? Do we give them somebody else? And we, but we constantly have to find space for stuff we don't need. In fact, we find space for our junk. The stuff that we bought two years ago that we don't need anymore, that don't fit for all types of reasons, okay? Nevertheless, um, we all have made space for our junk. It's called a junk drawer. Now, let me tell you what's in the junk drawer. Junk. It's, it's the stuff that, like, you purchase, like, if you get a new iPhone and that little white box, what are you gonna do with the white box? You can't throw it away. Why? Because you're a hoarder. Okay? That's why. Like, we, we have to, like, what if you need to sell it? You know, there's instruction manuals that you keep that you'll never need. Like, there are batteries. Like, you need two batteries. You bought four. You're like, well, I'm not gonna throw away batteries because of it. Like, there's all of this stuff in the junk drawer. In fact, some of you don't just have a designated space called the junk drawer. Some of you have a junk garage you got so much stuff you got a two-car garage you can only fit one car in it uh well like 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 messes don't bother you like you can just you can just put stuff wherever you want you will find space for for your junk in fact some of your rooms look like this Uh, now there are two types of people in this room right now the first type is looking at this picture and your response is what (laughs) what's the problem why is everybody gasping like like this is this happens every time you get dressed okay like like you see this photo you're like i see a great outfit in this photo what's your problem like like this you can live like this this doesn't bother you The, the second type of person in the room you're mad at me that we put it on the screen you're like who is this person like can we find who this person is can we find give me their address i will put i will go clean their house for them, like, you're OCD, like, me, like I, I, I'm really bad, like, with, with the clean stuff, like, when I get home from a trip, I take out all the clothes, do the laundry, fold it, and put it back, I wash my car four times a week, pray for me, I have a problem, okay, <laughs> um, like, like I, I just can't, I, I just can't do a mess, and, and maybe, maybe it's okay for our living rooms to look like a mess, maybe it's okay for our garage. To look like a mess. Maybe it's okay for your trunk to look like a mess. But it's not okay for your life to look like a mess. It's not okay for your marriage to look like a mess. It's not okay for your money to look like a mess. It's not okay for your friendships to look like a mess. And today, I I, want to hone in on something that gets incredibly messy, incredibly fast, and it's our schedule. It's not okay for our schedule to look like a mess because when our schedule is a mess, it's very difficult to kind of put God somewhere in the midst of our messy schedule and expect God to speak to us in a powerful way. Sometimes the best way to hear from God is sometimes you have to stop listening to other people. Sometimes you really hear from God, you've, you've got to get by yourself to a solitary place because the Bible tells us that Jesus woke up early to do just that. Jesus got up before the sun came up and he said, hey, God, it's just you and me. Why, why did Jesus get up so early to spend time with God? Because he had a busy day, like you, like me. But he carved out some time to spend with his father. And we should follow suit. We should follow suit. And, and here, I, I get it. There are people that can hop on the stage and tell you the thing that you need to do is you need to spend more time with God. And then, in your response, in your heart, your response, in your soul is, dude, you haven't seen my schedule. Like, and if we looked at everybody's schedule and we combined them, it would just be utter chaos. I mean, we've got work schedules, we got kids and their recreational sports, and then the kids, they got homework, and when they have homework, somehow, we have homework. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I was talking to a friend, I said, hey, man, what you doing tonight? I said, homework. I go, you a grown man, you're 45 years old, what are you talking about, you doing homework? He's like, my kids, I'm like, okay, I see how that works. I mean, we we have so much stuff that sometimes it's like, dude, I I mean, I'd like to spend time with God, but ultimately... Dude, if you could see my 80-hour work week, if you could see everything that I've got to get done, if you could see my college schedule, if you could see the deadlines that I've got to meet, man, it's just, it's just a really, really busy schedule. But in the midst of your busy schedule, in light of all the things that you've got to do this week, let me ask you this question. What do you have time for? Like I mean, like, like, let's just let's just look at your schedule. Like, what do you have time for? Um, I downloaded an app called uh, In In the Meantime, and what it does is, uh, it, it actually measures uh, how much time you spend on your phone, and it'll tell you which app you spent the most time on, and it'll give you a whole breakdown. I deleted it so fast. <laughs> it was so convicting, and I just. I found out pretty quick that I had a lot more time than, than, than I actually thought I had. And, and I just wondered if I borrowed your phone for 10 minutes, what would it tell me that you have time for? Would it tell me that you have plenty of time to be on social media? You ever had a friend that you called or texted? They won't text you back. They won't call you back. But they posted on Snapchat. You like your phone works, bro. Phone works just fine. Oh, um, man, I've been busy. Busy? Okay, cool. Like, I mean, if we really looked at your phone, what would it tell me that you indeed have time for? Would it tell me that you have time for fantasy football? Would it tell me that you have time to check scores? Would it tell me that you got three hours for the Broncos? Would it tell me that you, you, you have time to to connect with strangers on the Internet instead of the people that you actually live with? Like, what What would it tell me about your time? If I went through your DVR and took a fine-tooth comb through what you have recorded on your television, what would it tell me you have time for? Would it tell me you got time for Chip and Joanna Gaines? Would it tell me you know how to renovate a kitchen? Would it tell me you got time for HGTV? Will it t- what, what would it tell me that you have not just have time for, time that you have made time for? I mean, if... If you let me borrow your Netflix login, what would it tell me that you have definitely made time for? If I went to the recently watched section of your Netflix, how long could I keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling? I've done this before. I remember when I I first started watching the show 24, I I got hooked instantly. Um, I was in college, and I I said, this is the greatest show I've ever seen. And I started on season five. My friend handed me the entire season one, and then I spent the next 24 hours watching a whole season of 24. I skipped class. I skipped basketball practice. I skipped my job. I called in to work. Hey, man, I ain't going to make it today. I I, I, I need to know what happened to Jack Bauer, okay? I need to know if CTU is going to blow up. Like, I need to know. I mean, we all have friends that do this. They're like, "Man, I, I'm taking a whole day off, man. I got to catch up on Game of Thrones, man. I got I, like, I, I know people that have seen all seven seasons in two weeks. I'm like, how is that possible? It's like they made time. It's like there are people that take a whole day off work to watch Stranger Things season two. Like they they will take all time. Some of you are here. And again, that those these things aren't bad. But when was the last time you heard somebody say, "You know what? I'm going to take a day and spend it with God. When was the last time you had a friend say, you know, I'm going to take a half day? I'm going to take a half day and I'm going to go off to the mountains because I I need need to hear from God. Perhaps it's difficult for us to hear from God because we're hearing from everybody else. Perhaps it's difficult for us to hear from God because our brains are bombarded with so much media and work and our schedule is just so jam-packed. can I tell you, one of the best days of my life in a very, very long time was this week, just being able to come to Denver and just go to the mountains and just be alone with God. And can I tell you the best moment that I had as I was driving up the mountains is when my phone said, no service. <laughs> and, I, and, and in a moment I went, I just felt heaven. I felt God going, finally. Finally, I... I can really have your attention because no one else can get it. When was the last time you consecrated an hour, two hours a day to just be with God? Do you want to know uh, what 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 time really does for us? It allows us to be experts in anything. Uh, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell uh, has the 10,000 hour rule where basically he states that if you spend 10,000 hours doing anything, you could become an expert in that thing. Can you imagine if you spent 10,000 hours in the presence of God, the type of person that you would be? I, 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 just, I just wonder where you would be in your journey with God if you simply made more time for him. Do you wanna know why addictions stay addictions, it's because they've been fed over time. People have dedicated time. They didn't realize it, but they actually consecrated time. There there are people that will stay up late so that no one will catch them in their addiction, but will find it incredibly difficult to stay up late just to open up the word of God. The reason the addiction stays the addiction is because they keep feeding it. They keep consecrating time for. Some people have planned entire spring breaks around their addiction. They had their addiction in the trunk on ice. Like, I mean, like they've, dedic- they've spent money, they've spent energy. And that's, that's not to beat you up for your addiction. That's not to beat you up for your sin. But it is to show you. Can you imagine if you took all of the energy and money that you have spent on sin and addiction and directed that time and that energy and those resources towards your relationship with God, can you imagine the person you would be today if you just simply redirected that time? So maybe for you, maybe the thing you need to do is you need to delete one app and that one deletion, and and here's the deal, don't delete an app and then take that free time and do something else that you just want to do. Because their free time isn't free anymore. It's already preoccupied. We already have a list of things that we would love to do when we get free time. But I'm talking about really consecrating some moments to say, you know what? I, I, I've got to spend time with God because there's so much riding on it. And I, I love uh, what Luke says in, in the Bible um, about, about Jesus. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God. All night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Let me show you what's happening here. Uh, God wants to rescue humanity. So he sends his one and only son to the planet named Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, I need you to go save everybody. Cool. You're probably going to need a team to do that. So pick 12. Pick, pick a squad and go save the world and flip the world upside down. Okay. Okay before he does that, he spends all night in prayer. How many game-changing decisions are you making on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, a yearly basis that aren't birthed in prayer? How many, how many, how many financial decisions have you been making that weren't birthed in prayer? And now you're trying to go, man, I got this debt. I'm trying to Can you imagine if you would have immersed yourself in prayer before you made that decision? How many dating decisions have you made that weren't birthed in prayer? They were birthed in some of the things that your friends told you to do. You were trying to combat some loneliness and you were, and then you're going, man, I don't, I don't know how I, how I got here. I mean, could you imagine if we became people that just said, you know, before we, before we make game changing decisions about who we're going to surround ourselves with, and who we're going to date and all. Before we make business decisions, before we make education decisions, before, before we make a move, we, man, we're going we're gonna to spend time with God. It may not be all night, but man, could you give him 30 minutes? Could you give him an hour and just go, Lord, I just, I just want to spend time with you before I go make a decision that could make or break my future? And and here's why it's so important. And and it's because of what's, what's found in John chapter 15. Bible says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Then the Bible says this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, You can do nothing. Here's here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, hey, here's the deal. The success of your life hinges on your connection with me. The success of your life, the success of your marriage, the success of your business hinges on your connection with me. You might get a little bit of success without me, but you'll squander it without me. And here's the deal. As much as God wants you to have a great life, as much as God wants to bring success into your life, he doesn't want you to do something great for him without him. You you might serve at one of the many Red Rocks locations and going, yeah, man, yeah, dude, I I just serve, I just serve. Thank you. Thank you for serving. God doesn't want you to serve for him without him. We were designed to connect with him. That was the whole point because he wanted to walk with humans, humans that could choose him. He didn't want robotic angels that were just only made to worship. He wanted to connect with humans that could really choose him and have emotions towards him and love back and forth. He wanted to have a divine connection with us and he's going, hey, here's the deal: your life is not gonna make sense. You're not gonna have the success that you really want, that really lasts, that you're not gonna be fruitful unless you're connected to me. And for some of you, they're like, Man, listen, I got this business thing going on, man, and I, I really want to be successful, and I, I learned these marketing tips. And here's the deal: I, I don't knock marketing tips whatsoever. Because I, I have a business degree, so I, I really believe in the marketing tips, but not above. Connection with God, the question you got to ask yourself if you're a business owner is do you want a great marketing strategy or would you rather have the favor of God on your business? I mean, those are the questions you got to ask yourself. If if I'm you, I'm going, you know what, Lord, I would rather have your favor and for you to go before me and talk to people I don't even know about my business than to place my hope in Google advertisements. I mean, like, if, if I got to pick Google or God's favor, well, I'm, I'm taking my chances with God's favor. It's done a lot over the years. I mean, for some people, they're like, man, I really want to get a promotion, man. So I, I really want to impress, impress my, my boss. And, and some people, they, they really want to get married. They're like, okay, man, I, I really want to impress this person. And so you spend most of your day trying to prove something to somebody. You spend most of your day trying to get noticed, trying to get appreciated, trying to have somebody else see your value. Could you imagine if you spent your morning and you started off by just going, you know, I'm going to connect with God first and just trust that God can go before me and talk to my boss and give me favor with my boss instead of me trying to impress my boss because he can see right through that anyways. And so, you know, I'm just going to work hard and have integrity and and do my job to the best of my ability and trust God with the rest. And I'm not going to spend my day flexing for somebody that may or may not. I'm not going to put my hope in my boss. My hope is in my God. So I'm going to work hard, but I'm going to put my hope and trust in the favor and, and my relationship, my... I don't have to prove my worth to anybody. I already know that I'm loved because I've spent time with God. So I'm not going to spend my day trying to get it from other people, trying to earn love from him or others because I've, I've spent time with the Lord and my success is not hinging on somebody else. My success is, is hinging on him. And if I don't get success by connecting with him, then maybe I'm not supposed to have that in the first place. And I'm okay with that because I still got Jesus. I mean, could you imagine if that was... If that was who you really, really were. I, I, love, I love what Jesus uh, says in, in Matthew. He says, it's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Oh, that would be a sad day. But let me tell you why it's a good day. Because there are some people in this room that have made a lot of mistakes. And they look at the performers and the super Christians, and they go, hey, man, here's the deal. Uh, My wife dragged me here. Uh, I got invited by a friend at the mall. He said, come to Red Rocks today. And and I I just got here, and I I don't have really great church attendance records. And so, like, I'm not really sure if I'm even worthy to connect and and maybe you look at your life and you see a lot of mistakes. Maybe you cheated on your spouse. Maybe you got kicked out of school. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a friend. Or, or maybe you somehow made a mess of your own life. But what you need to know that we gather here today because there was a God who had a son that was dead and then wasn't. And he's a God that just turns things around. And perhaps you may have found yourself falling in a pit today. And regardless of how you got there or how long you've been there, the thing that's going to help you get out perhaps is simply just making space for God to rescue you. Can you imagine if you just decided to make space for God? Can you imagine what would happen if you just decided, you know what, I'm, the thing that's going to make me a super Christian isn't performing many miracles. The thing that's going to make me a super Christian isn't prophesying a name and casting out demons. Perhaps the things that will make you super connected with God is simply by getting to know him. And, and how do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. You, 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 you have to spend Time with them. You you ever had somebody talking about one of your friends and you just thought to yourself, you don't, you don't know them. You, have, you haven't spent any any time with them. Uh, sometimes like I invite somebody to church and and the things they tell me about God perplexes me because I'm like, I don't think you, I don't think you know God like that. <laughs> somebody told me the other day, man, I don't go to church because God just wants my money. God wants your money? How much money do you have? <laughs> do you know how much money God has? What are you talking about? You don't know God. Not the same God that I sing and worship. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> the, the one that breaks my heart the most. So somebody says, man, I, I, I want to come to church, but man, I, I got some things I need to work on first. Man, I, I got to. I got to fix a few things, man. I got some, I got some stuff, and, and um, when I change, I will accept your invitation. And I'm going, I, what, do you, what, what do you think we do at the church, and who do you think is there? Are there some perfect people there that I haven't met yet? Because last time I checked, flawed humans were our only option. I said, dude, it's just its just a bunch of flawed humans that came to worship a perfect God and, and he kind of cleans us up. And I, Do you know him? I, you want to get to know him? I, I can tell you about him because if you think you got to change b- before you come, you, you've missed it. If you think you have to behave to belong, you you've missed the entire point of the gospel. Come just as you are. And I just have a feeling because I know God. He's not going to leave you just as you are. So it wouldn't, man, can you imagine if everybody felt the space to just connect with God? So here, here's, here, here's your homework. Um, I, I want each and every person to create a to-don't-do list. <laughs> a to-don't-do list. Okay, I want you to create a to-don't-do list, and it can have four or five things on. And here's the deal. There are some things that I want you to go home and make sure you don't do it. You, you don't do it. And here's the deal. We, we got the holidays coming up. We got Christmas coming up. Man, and we are we know we are going to get busy. We're going to stand in long lines. We're going to wrap a bunch of gifts, and we still got to get the photo shoot scheduled for the family Christmas card, and then you got to get your matching outfits together, and then you got to get everybody to smile at the same time. All of you have not smiled at the same time, like, ever. And so you're going to try and get the photographer, and you're going to get the baby, and then the dog's going to be barking and running off, and you're going to... It's just going to take a lot of energy and time. And can you imagine if you just decided as a family this year we're not gonna do a Christmas card. Well, what, what, we have to do a Christmas card. We don't want every year. What if your family connecting with God was more important than your Christmas card? It's something that you can put on your to don't do list. What if everybody in this room gave up one Broncos game? Okay, too much. Too far, Ryan. Too far. You took it too far, bro. Get him off the stage. Where's Chad? Find him now. Okay. All right. One halftime. Okay. It's just commercials. 15 minutes. What, what do you need to put on your to don't do list? That really, the thing that you've been doing, the thing that you've been making time for, it really hasn't been adding that much value to your life anyways, has it? I mean, when I looked at this app and saw how much time I was spending simply on my phone, I thought as a speaker and a writer, man, if I could give that time to God, wouldn't it make me so much better if I would just give that time and and invite God to that space? I mean, maybe for you on your to don't do list is you say, hey, I'm at Thanksgiving. No phones. What? I I have to post about the meal, right? (laughs) People have to know what I ate. What if what if your family just made a commitment to enjoy the meal and just say nobody needs to know like we're we're going to be present here we're going to invite a holy god to our to our table our holiday table so that maybe in a moment we can realize how thankful we are for the people in our world, and, and perhaps if we think of a world without them, man, how much more grateful would we be if, if we didn't have them at all? And I get it. You got some people coming to your house you don't even like. You got some people coming to your house they don't like you. And, and, and nevertheless, you got some in-laws and some cousins, and you're going, man, I don't want to get them a gift. And you're, but can you imagine if you change the game? Can you imagine if you just went, you know what, the holidays aren't going to be about gifts and food, but the holidays are going to be about us connecting with God first. Uh, I had a friend tell me a story the other day uh, about uh, her marriage and she was saying the thing that frustrated her is her husband would go to work and she'd give him um, a a little canister of coffee uh, every morning and he'd go to work and she would have the house looking clean, fresh. And uh, he would come home and he would just drop the coffee canister on, on the sink and just walk away. And she would get so mad at this coffee can. Like, she's just like, if this man does not learn how to put this coffee mug in the dishwasher, we're going to have a problem, okay? And so it's just she just kept looking at this coffee. And day by day, she getting more mad and more mad and more mad and more mad until one day he got sick and couldn't drink coffee anymore. It's been 10 years since he had a cup. And you know what she says? She says, I kind of miss the coffee mug. I mean, if you... But man, what I would give to have a cup of coffee with my husband. Oh, man, it changes the game. Can you imagine if you just started spending some time with God, and all of a sudden He began to change your perspective about a person that you don't even like? All of a sudden, you go, "I, I actually appreciate who they've been in my life." What if this was the holidays for us? Well, I mean, what if we had it to don't do list? Like, if we just... For me I, I I love the NBA. I, I got NBA League Pass, which means I can watch every game every night and sometimes I do. It's a problem. Pray for me. <laughs> so there's there are some nights in my home where I just go no phone, no basketball. And and um the, the way that I, I spend time with God is it's it's pretty simple for me and it, I, I just I feel like if I don't spend time with him, everything I do besides that, it it really won't have as much purpose as it would if if I was doing it with them. And so I just, I just try to create an environment in my home where the presence of God is welcome. So uh, one of the things that I do that in three ways, simple, uh, I pray and and prayer is is simply talking to God. And and some of you might look at all of your mistakes and go, man, God don't want to talk to me. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. You go, man, what what am I going to say to God? Hi. (laughs) My name is. You go, man, I got so much shame. You don't know what I've done. Tell him. And then the the second thing that I do is I open the Bible because prayer is me talking to God. Then the Bible is, you know, him talking back to me. And then I, I find out that the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And and, and when you translate that in in fancy Greek and Hebrew for people that do that, um, it's not just while we were still sinners, it's while we were still sinners and enjoying it, Christ died for us. And that gives a little bit of a different context because you might think, well, it's easy for God to love me today because I'm here. No, he loved you at your worst, still chose you, still died for you, with your hands in your pocket and at the club and, and on drugs and every, you name it. He died for you while you were there and enjoying it. That's when you talk to God, all of a sudden you open the Bible and realize, wait a second, he loves me like just as I am. Yeah. Just as you are. So, so for me it's, it's prayer and, and reading the Bible. And then the, the third thing that I do is um, I, I, I worship, and I, I just try and create a culture in my home and in my car of, of worship. I'll throw on Red Rocks worship and just jam for, for hours. like that. That's where I probably spend the majority of my time because I, I certainly realize that you cannot choose your season in your life. You cannot choose what you're going to have to go through. You can't choose when your loved one goes to be with Jesus. You can't make those decisions. And so sometimes there will be storms. And you can't choose when the storm comes, but you can choose the song that you sing when it comes. So for me, I, worship is my w- worship is a core for me because as I'm telling God who he is and it's, it's also telling my soul who he is. And and I'm not calculating who God is to me based off of my circumstances. I'm telling God who he is and allowing my worship to affect my circumstances. And so maybe the thing that you guys need to do today, if you haven't purchased the Red Rocks worship album, that's the thing you need to go do right now, okay? You, you go buy it on iTunes. You get it wherever you got it. And you go, Lord, I'm, I'm going to consecrate an hour. You've got to commute to work and you do whatever. Maybe you just listen to the radio. No, you're going to start getting intentional. You go, you know what? No, I, I got I to gotta get something in my spirit, man. I don't, I don't feel... I don't feel worthy. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like everything is moving and jiving for me in the way that... No, man, you, you start to build a culture in your environments of worship, and it's just creating an environment that's inviting for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do with your life. Me and my wife would just sit on the couch and put on a YouTube playlist. And if it's Red Rocks worship, if it's Bethel worship, if it's Hillsong, we just allow it to just play on repeat in our home because we want the Holy Spirit to know he can come by anytime he wants. And uh, one of the the songs that I I sing... um, borderline religiously. I I sing it almost every single day of my life. I I cannot preach a message without listening to this song. I mean, it's called King of My Heart. You're never going to let, never going to let me down. And for me, it it is a song that has been an anthem of my life because I've had some dark seasons where I questioned the goodness of God, but I didn't let my, the words that were coming off my lips, I go, God, for me, I kind of need this to be true. I'm looking at some circumstances and I'm going, Lord, where are you? But my song stayed the same. You are good, good, oh, oh. And I would just continue to sing it. No matter what kind of day I was having, I may not be having a good day, but my God is still good. Oh, I might not be feeling it, but that hasn't changed who God is. He's still sitting on the throne. Nothing's pushed him off. Oh, I just keep singing. And I lost my father two years ago. And I'm just going, God, please heal a man that's done a lot for you. And he did it. And I'm going, Lord, where are you? You are good. You're just good. I just, and I just keep standing on that and just knowing that. I just believe that I will continue to see the goodness of the Lord. And I was, I was changing my son's diaper the other day, and I don't even know what kind of day I was having, but I was just sitting there going, you are good, good. And it's like, no matter what's happening down here, we just go, <laughs> God's faithful. I just believe it, you know, we're just going. And all of a sudden, my son looks up at me for the first time. He's three years old, just a toddler, barely talking. And he goes, you are good could oh I'm like oh does he know the bridge you're never gonna let never gonna let me down and he goes down I'm going yes I'm going God if he's a preacher that's up to you but it's hard don't let him do that let him be a singer let him be a worshiper so much easier I said God let this be the song of his life God no matter what he goes through no matter what season he faces. I pray that his life will be birthed in this song. I pray that his life will be birthed in spending time with you. And I, I pray, God, that you would constantly visit this house and that this family would have a front row seat to your goodness above it all. No, no matter what's going on in our life, Lord, I want you to know you've got an invitation here at the League Home, no matter what we face. And I want you to know, Lord, no matter what season you bring us through, The song's going to stay the same. From dad to mom to, to the son. There might be some people here that you've been told, man, this is how you can fix your life. This is how you can pull your life up out of the pit. This is how you can pull your marriage up out of the pit and maybe somebody's told you that the thing that can fix your marriage is communication like you guys need to talk better you need to figure out he's from venus i'm from mars we never get on the same page I, he doesn't listen to me and he said this and he did this and you're trying to fix your marriage by talking on the counselor's like you guys got to work on your communication issue and i just believe jesus would go yeah you do need you got some communication issues with me if maybe if the two of you Quit yelling at each other. And you would turn your eyes and fix your attention on me. Fall to your knees and talk to me about your marriage. You want to know who created marriage? Me. (laughs) I know a thing or two about it. And imagine if you took what you heard from God there to the counselor. Say, hey, uh, we're here um, this morning when we both felt our knees in prayer. We just felt like, man, I need to go first. I'm going to humble myself. I I, I need to apologize to her for some stuff. As the man of the house, as we prayed this morning, the Lord revealed to me, I'm seeing her a little bit different. Can you help me on this journey and ask God to meet you there? I don't know what needs to be on your to don't do list, but I know there needs to be something. Maybe this year you just don't do Christmas lights. You're like, dude, our neighborhood is competitive with Christmas lights, okay? How about you don't play this year? And you take that time that you would spend hopping on a ladder, putting up Christmas lights, and you go, we are going to go get away. And we're going to go meet with God. Some of you need to, uh, for your spouse, you got Saturday go be with God. I got the kids. I'll figure it out. Some, some of you as a couple need, to, need to, to call a friend and say, can you watch our kids for the weekend? We just need to go get with God. And maybe the next weekend you return the favor and you take their kids. And you just say, you know what? The, the, the most important thing that we can do in, this, in the craziest of times and, and while everybody is in traffic jams and in malls and Black Friday and trying to figure all this stuff out, would you have a moment that maybe you pull over on the side of the road and pause just for a moment to go, Lord, what is my busyness getting me? Is my schedule helping me become who I want to be? Is my schedule helping me get to where I want to go? Why am I in such a hurry to get stuff that's really not adding value to my soul? No matter who you are today, I, I believe at the the direction that we all need to go is to put God first in our schedule, and I just I just believe that when we spend time with God, man, time's on our side. It it changes everything. Can you imagine if that was us? Could you imagine before we made any type of moves relationally for the holiday, we just we just birthed our lives, immersed ourselves in the presence of God, and we just say, hey, you're on the calendar, God. This day, this Friday, I'm taking a half day, meet me at the mountain. Meet me there, Lord, speak to me in a powerful way. Can you imagine what he might say to you in that moment? In the moment when you're looking at your cell phone, you keep going up high to the mountain, and it says no service, and God goes, finally. with every head bowed and every eye closed at at every campus. I want to give every person the opportunity uh, to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Uh, Maybe today uh, you were brought here by a friend or or maybe uh, you you haven't been here in a while and you're going, man, I need to get out of the pit. My life has spiraled downward. I have made an absolute mess of my life. And I need somebody else to be in the driver's seat. I need somebody else to be in control because I've got nowhere else to go. If that's you today, you're you're in the right place. And if that's you today, you say, you know what, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Because I see that the common denominator of of some people perhaps sitting in the seats around you go, man, there's something in them. there's, There's something in their spirit that I want. I can tell you what it is. It's the fact that they've made Jesus the Lord of their life. And perhaps that may be the greatest decision you ever make and you can make it today. If you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life at every campus, would you just slip up your hand right now? You slip up your hand. I see your hands. Oh, my gosh. I see. I see hands everywhere. I'm sure there are hands lifted at at each location. Can can we all just pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I ask for forgiveness for every mistake I've made. And I ask now that you would be the Lord of my life, of my decisions, of my schedule. I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Come on, can we make some noise for every single person at every location that gave their life to Jesus? It is literally the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet? Uh, I love how Red Rocks does church. I love that a message happens and then we give everyone an opportunity to respond to God. And I just believe that today, you have the opportunity to have a moment. To have a moment with God where you just go, it's not, oh, let me lift my hands because that, that's what a super Christian would do. But maybe you see in your hand your schedule. You go, Lord, you can be king of this. Maybe in your hand you see a broken marriage, you go, Lord, you can be king of this. Maybe you, you see a broken situation, you go, Lord, I'm not sure if you're good, but you know what? I just You're never gonna live. You, you just go, I'm going to put my hope in a God- that specializes in rescuing people. I'm just going to keep doing it. You are good. You are good. Oh, oh. Father, in these next few moments at each location, I pray God that you would be the king of our heart. That that you would be the God that sits on the throne of our heart and that there would be nothing in our life that competes with our attention. I pray, God, that you would get our attention. I pray, God, that we would put you first, Lord. All the other stuff can just be stuff. We can play games. We can use it. Lord, I just pray that we would make you the priority in our calendar. Before things get busy, Lord, we just want to take a moment and put you first. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody say, Amen. amen.